Gamergate's like a broken record when they claim they accuse people of not uh, researching their movement. Like, there's plenty of research. <laughs> there's plenty of conclusions you can <laughs> draw. Um, they they say, like, you should talk to g- real Gamergaters. And, of course, pe- plenty of people talk to real Gamergaters. But they still concluded that they're, they're kind of motivated by feminist, anti-feminist uh, beliefs. But they still cling on to the, like, like, well, you didn't really talk to real Gamergaters. You spoke to, like, the, the crazy fringe that makes us look <laughs> bad or people who are impersonating us to make us look bad. And they just cling on to more of these beliefs so that they don't have to accept reality. Welcome everybody to the Spoon Me Podcast. This is episode 75. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. I'm joined this week and every week with the man from the Match 3 Podcast. He comes in at a hefty 185 pounds of pure madness, destruction, and beautifulness. We have the man from the Windy City, Cicero bone crusher homes yeah how are you cicero i ain't never scared what i ain't never scared um i haven't been 185 pounds since i graduated high school uh that was my yo me that was maybe my playing weight um yeah yeah so yeah back back to them days um i'm doing well man it's our diamond anniversary i remember that from the nfl when they had the they had the patches with 75 on the jerseys with the diamond and it had the big seven. Wasn't that the one that wasn't that the one that had the crazy like Lawrence Taylor re- re- retired that year? Ah, you know, I don't know, man. He doesn't know either. He was on crack. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so. <laughs> poor Lord, poor Lawrence Yo, Taylor. Yo, you know, I love me, love me some LT. Um, you know, oh, but, God. but yeah, hey. He was he was he was I right until he hurt my boy Joe Montana. You know, yeah. oh, so true. anyway, yeah. um, uh, you know, outside of that, I'm doing well. Um, and, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, very happy to be here. Um, I'm, ha- I'm glad you're back, man. Uh, welcome back. How you doing? How you feeling? I'm good. First thing I want to say is you did an amazing job on the show with the brother Javier Payano and Matt Lancaster of the Chromatic Life podcast. You did an amazing job without me being here. So I'm proud of you, sir. I've taught uh, you. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. I learned I learned everything by watching you. Um, I, I mean, I mean, it, it is, is true that that is true. There you go. You can, you can. I will allow your ego to grow three sizes today. Um, Word. I, no, but but seriously, it was it was a great thanks. show. You did a really, thanks. really, really. I, dope it job. was it was um, really easy. They were they were they were great guests. Um, and uh, you, as you can tell by listening to to us here or to them here, if if their show is is a third of what it, what their chemistry was while they were here on this show. Um, them and Tanya have a, a fantastic job. They do a fantastic job at Chromatic Life. Um, so shout yeah. out to them and, and everyone go check check out their show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go check them out. They have a really dope show. Geeked FM is dope. You should go check that out. Um, my week has been uh, pretty good. It's been a hard week for a non-pimp. Uh, it has been lots of work that had to be done at my job. It's been massively busy. Um, and by the time this show goes live, I will have made 
another rotation around the sun. I will be 37 years of age. That is right. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to me. That's with an F. Oh, happy born day, son. Half, hopefully, I would have not have failed my uh, New York, uh, no, not New York, my Oregon state driver's license test. So I will actually be legal in Oregon. I can actually drink on my birthday. <laughs> so I have to go get my, I have to literally go get my <laughs> my driver's license or I won't be able to drink on my birthday uh, at a bar. Yeah, Could, you, you may need to, to take care of that, bro. Like Saturday, I think uh, Saturday, I think I'm gonna go and go get all that stuff. Try to get it done. Go do a quick run through all the tests and then see if I can take it on Saturday. Because right. uh, my because my birthday is on the Monday. Right. So oh, okay. We'll yeah. And uh, yeah, you guys, you guys uh, just just went out and, and made yourselves mobile. You're you're a mobile family, the mobile Adams. Oh yeah, yeah so, yeah yeah. Yeah, so yeah you, we have we have. You need to stop. Right, you need to stop letting your wife be driving Mr. Adams. Hey, I hey, reverse. It's the sequel to Driving Miss Daisy. (laughs) Driving Mr. Adams. The white woman is driving the black dude around now. What kind of crazy, crazy ass shit? First Annie, and now this. Jamie Foxx is is Daddy Warbucks, and now you the you the guy in the backseat of of the car. Get the fuck out of here! Look, look, look. I will take reparations in any way I can. Right. I mean, and if that and if that's the way it comes, then that's the way. Reef's got Reef's got dogs and cats sleeping together. Smash hysteria. What's happening in the world? Yeah, man. Oh. Yeah, man. So that's a good. That's that's good. We we might as well uh, get into to letting everyone know that we have our minister of no finance, bum, 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 the man, bum. the myth, the legend, the man who makes gaming look good. Yes, he does. Uh, it is Sharif Jackson of Sharif Jackson dot com. How are you doing, Sharif? Sharif Jackson. What's up, y'all? Um, just want to go on the record that I don't appreciate the LT slander. Um, as a Giants fan, um, he was one of the first people that I remember rooting for. Yeah. Man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Back all, all through the '80s and and early and, '90s. Yo, I mean, he was he was he was a dope he was a dope cat. But like uh, you know, like the Rick James used to say, man, cocaine is a hell of a drug. So. Here's the funny thing though about LT though, his pinnacle, the pinnacle of his career is when he fought Bam Bam Bigelow. In <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying all great athletes have to make an appearance. I recently saw a clip of Steve Amell from Arrow. Yeah, oh yeah, he's in wrestling. Salting, I think it was I don't know who it was, but like he like you know, he like jumped over the over the teeth, you know, into the ring and just started beating the crap yeah, out of somebody. Yeah. The greats have to fight, like Dennis Rodman, Carl Malone. Wow. All the great athletes must step in the ring. And take on a fake fighter, like it's just a part of the thing. The squared circle. If there was any, if there was any athlete that you could wrestle, Reef, who would it be? Like that, that I would have a chance against. No, no, no. <laughs> like, if, like, like <laughs> the answer Peter, is no. Peter wrestlers. Dinklage. <laughs> I think I'd. I mean, I mean, if there's any athlete, I mean, we got to go Serena. Word. I said, I said wrestle. I didn't say. Oil wrestle. I would wrestle and I would get in the submission. Right. I, would, right. I would get in the submission right. pose. 
This show, this show has already turned in a really weird direction already. I'm just saying. Oh my goodness! But you're good. Everything's all right with you. Yo, man, th- things are good, man. Like the weather has been great here, yeah. Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, been uh, getting a lot of gaming on. Um, so uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm ready for the spawn on me time of the week. So I'm I'm excited. Nice. Super dope. Super super dope. Um, is there any other housekeeping that we need to get? Uh, on uh point, besides see? just thanking Bricago for. Uh, doing what they do, which is, you know, listening to the show and following the show and repping the show and sharing it. Um, and uh, just want to say uh, big ups and, and thanks so much to you guys. Um, you guys, you guys are really, really boosting us up and we appreciate the shit out of it. And, uh, you know, we really hope that big things are in store. So uh, thanks, everybody, for for being here and coming back. Absolutely, absolutely. And I want to give a quick shout out to Cody. You know who you are. Um, yeah, so we have an amazing guest this week. Um, I'm really happy that this gentleman has joined us th- uh, this week because he has is, he is, uh, uh, caused a stir on the internet a little bit uh, with his really, really dope article. Uh, it's called Almost No One Sided with Gamergate, uh, a research paper on the internet's reaction to last year's mob. Um, I, I came across this, I think it was from either, um, uh, what's that guy's name with the ketchup and the mustard and the hot dogs, that guy, uh, Manveer, Manveer Air, Manveer Air, that guy, I think, I think, I think it was that guy. That's how you remember who he is. <laughs> yeah, basically, because we have like we have like Bioware, and- we have condiment. Yeah, beef, there so is like there is like, condiment like, beef. <laughs> we have condiment beef. So, so there's been a there's been a lot of conversations and a lot of discussion right around this time of the year, especially this year with uh, and surrounding around Gamergate because it is the the one year turnaround of when all this craziness had started. Um, it was also in turn it was interesting because I was on Twitter. And um, I had seen an article that uh, Zoe Quinn had posted talking about how basically it's it's always August and always August, meaning that mm-hmm. for her, her 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 life has been turned upside down by this angry mob. And for her, it's always this month. This month has not changed in any way for her in the reflection of how she's been treated on the Internet and how how folks from Gamergate have still been preying upon her and people like her uh, in the industry. Um, so the gentleman that we have this week wrote and penned this piece, which I think is really great because it puts the statistical spin on, um, this, the anecdotal parts that we've all been kind of paying attention to or have stopped paying attention to because we're all kind of sick of it, but it's kind of come back full circle with some facts to kind of break down what Gamergate has become, what it is and, and how it's been viewed. So we want to bring to Bricago, Livio de la Cruz. How are you doing, sir? Hello, I'm doing good. So you had a week. <laughs> you, had a, you had a pretty interesting week, if, if there was a way to put that kind of gently. Um, first of all, how are you doing? How, how's everything going? Uh, it's not bad. Like So the, when that article went viral, it kind of took off on Tuesday, most of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it attracted quite a bit of heat from the mob. It's like mm-hmm. I kicked the beehives, mm-hmm. uh, but <laughs> yeah. then you you totally kicked the beehives. <laughs> but but uh, it kind of went away after two days of that. Uh, I basically stopped 
engaging with them. Right. I left them. I, I basically made them bored. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's usually that's usually an easier way to kind of deal with that with that issue. It seems like you know we've kind of learned in our own ways from all dealing with GamerGate that sometimes if you just don't pay attention, that we us can do that. Not everyone can do that, but we were able to kind of use that tactic and it semi work. Yeah, um, and it's different for me because I'm a guy and I was kind of betting on that when I wrote the article. I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm a guy. They're not going to come after me as viciously as some of the women that they've gone after. Right, right, right. It's been, it's been a really challenging year for the gaming industry, for especially the women of the gaming industry um, because of this group and because of the anti-feminist stance that they've taken. I, to a certain extent, the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show was um, the conversation that I heard from Zoe specifically this week where she was rallying against an article on Polygon where they kind of gave the Gamergate side this boilerplate kind of like loose and, and, and not really strict kind of leeway with their side being not as bad as it as as it actually is for yeah. the people who have been p- paying attention to Gamergate from the beginning of where it started, how it started, the reasons why it all became what it became. So so I kind of wanted to ask you so one one why did you write the article and two why did why did why did you decide to to go about it this way? So I I actually saw that article from Polygon and I read it before I saw Zoe Quinn's tweets about it and I I got the impression like so look so polygon they mentioned gamergate and so they kind of felt the need to kind of give a brief summary of it and in that brief summary i think they accidentally uh made it sound more legitimate than what it really was like for Mm -hmm. a lot of people they remember all gamergate was supposedly about ethics and game journalism but it was really in a harassment blah 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 i believe that zoe quinn remembers it as no gamergate wasn't even close to that it was really just an angry mob started by her ex-boyfriend. Like she's never even seen it any like as an ethics thing at all. Like she always saw that as just a lie. And so she's kind of upset that people are still perpetuating that ethics thing, even in their brief one-liner descriptions for the sake of summary. Yeah. Which I, which I think is totally valid. You know, if you've been the one affected by this the most, to a certain extent, you should be upset by, (laughs) by about how, the new history of this story will be told with you being the center of it for the most part, yeah, I, or at least having, having been started as the center. Of and it. I think, I think that's a valid perspective too, because like we are just observers and she's been there the whole time. I think her perspective is like something that we should keep reminding ourselves of. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I definitely agree that, you know, her perspective is like in there. I, I do find it interesting though, that she, um, because I read her tweets as well. And, you know, I think it's very apparent that, you know, she was attacked not only because of, you know, these kind of lies that, that her boyfriend was spreading on the Internet, but because, you know, there was already this sentiment against these quote-unquote non-games, right, that were getting attention like Depression Quest and, and like all these games, and that, you know, she she must have obviously slept with this guy for reviews, even though there weren't any reviews, and that this is an example of, you know, people that, you know, collude, quote-unquote, with press and then, like, that kind of stuff. So, um, 
you know, I, I would think that she would be able to see why it's being written as this ethics thing. But again, I'm thinking of it from a intellectual observer perspective, not from the person that's going through it, you know? So I'm yeah. sure that her view is much more visceral and, you know, and she's dealt with the shit more than I have as an observer. So, yeah, it's, it's, Go ahead, I'm, go ahead, Livio, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to answer the, your original question, <laughs> which, which was why I wrote it. Um, so the it's kind of a longer story, but like when, when Gamergate happened last fall, um, I have a Facebook group that I talk about. Uh, it's uh, When I was in college, I started a game dev club, and that club has a Facebook group, and so that's my, my, my main way of talking about games with my friends is through that group. And also just the in whatever incoming students i think like at the time of gamergate we had around 200 members in that group uh, and that included current students alumni and friends of friends uh people would just invite other friends like, hey this is a cool group it's very active uh it was during that group that uh, i kind of watched gamergate happen with my friends we would talk about it and I, there was this one friend of ours who was a gamergater like he he, he's always been like he it wasn't until like a year before Gamergate that I realized that he really didn't like feminism um, uh -huh. but during Gamergate he was really upset with how it was being portrayed in the media and the articles that we were posting about it on the group uh, we I would have these really long co uh, Facebook conversations with him like in like public conversations in the like the comment sections of the links that people would post on there and we we discussed all sorts of topics like we talked about ethics we talked about feminism we talked about harassment and i would try to convince him like you don't like here's why i don't buy that and he would be like ah you're just being biased blah blah um and then like uh in my article i spoke about i this period of time that i call the the gamergate's peak of awfulness which was that one week in october where Mm -hmm. the, it was like the Friday before that week was when Brianna Wu was uh, she filed the police report uh, and she left her home through the the death threat that she got and the right. I think it was like the Tuesday or something after that was uh, Anita Sarkeesian's bomb threat uh, not not bomb the shooting threat right uh, against the school in Utah uh, and so uh, when that week when that happened. Uh, people got more vocal against Gamergate on the club. And my friend who was a Gamergater, he posted like he, he never like posted like he, I don't know. I don't, I don't, he rarely or almost never posted like any like pro Gamergate content to the group. So it was after, uh, after that moment when the anti Gamergate sentiment was getting really strong, he posted like his description of what he thought Gamergate was. And, why he thinks it's a good thing and it was it was really weird like so he he described gamer he described like the situation like okay guys like here like for the last like five years there's been like this uh slowly moving uh extremist ideology of hate fear and deception that's been moving into games and gamergate is about fighting that and then he just went on and on and on. And and he's basically talking about feminism. Uh, that's what he thinks feminism is. Uh, 
and when he, people read that and it was like at that moment in time people were like oh my god what is going on to the games industry and what why is this guy standing up and spewing nonsense about it like and so like that the the comment thread that spawned from that post was probably the longest common thread in the history of our Facebook group. Uh, <laughs> more more people got involved in the conversation. Before it was just me and one friend and and, and him and and one other person who kind of liked Gamergate, but I didn't really know him. Uh and but this one we had like a dozen people involved. Uh with a lot of people who told me after the fact that they were watching that conversation closely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was like the weirdness of Gamergate fully on display for the members of our group. Um, and I I tried super hard to get through to him. And I kind of gave up uh, at one point. I gave up like in November. So I had like three months. <laughs> uh, um, and then uh, I tried like in January, I was still feeling pretty down about it. So I wrote this uh, piece on my blog called uh, Dealing with Post-Gamergate Depression, which is basically like me talking about how bummed out I was about it and how I couldn't figure out my emotions. And that piece got reasonably uh, popular. Like a few of the people who were still following Gamergate at the time shared it around. Hmm. Um, uh, after that, I post like in the same month of that, I posted a, an article about uh, like, I'm, I'm still not over it. I can't like ignore this. This bothers <laughs> me too much. And so I posted an article about internet hate and what you can do to fight it. And it was like this, this catalog of different fronts on the problem. And it particularly focused on what like software engineers can do. Um, since that's what I am. <laughs> uh, and so uh, in that article, he, uh, in in his response to my article on internet hate, I made one line, one line reference to Gamergate talking about, uh, it, like, I think it was like, the, the, it's a good thing that most people denounce Gamergate, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, how dare you equate Gamergate with harassment? Most people don't believe that. And that comment kind of struck with me the whole time. Um, right, right. And like, Many, many months later, August, like, 1st, uh, it was around August 1st that I decided to do this project. Uh, mm. I actually, uh, I don't know if you saw the videos done by Innuendo Studios called Why Are You So Angry? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We love, we love, we love, uh, Innuendo. gosh, I can't, uh, God, I can't think of his name right now. I, can't, I don't know his real name. All I know is Innuendo Studios. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. In that video series, one of the points that he made was how he stressed how important perception was, like whether or not most people agreed with Gamergate. Uh, Gamergaters have this perception that they do agree. Most people do agree with Gamergate. And it reminded me right. of that comment that my friend made about how most people don't see Gamergate as a hate mob. Time out. Was uh, that Phil Fisher stuff? No, it's Ian Danskin. Oh, it's Ian Danskin stuff. Yeah, that's what I meant. Shout out to Ian Danskin. Yeah, yeah he, he made a video about Phil Fish once. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, we talked about it here on the show. Um, yeah, it was good. Uh, but yeah, that's when I saw that uh, video, uh, that's what... It was actually really ironic as well because just like two days before... Uh, so like after, after like January, there wasn't really any Gamergate content posted on our group ever since. Um, 
two days before I found that video by uh, Inuendo Studios, uh, I had posted a random article on uh, on the Facebook group on ageism in the industry. It was a really well written article. It was uh, it it looked at the problem from all sorts of perspectives and interviewed all sorts of people. It was great, and uh, my friend he responded to that article really angrily. He's like, they're just uh, uh, what did he call it? He he said he said that we uh, that article was almost like just clickbait. Like it's just <laughs> making you get angry at people. It's villainizing people. And right. I'm like, I don't know who it's villainizing. It's such a, it it shows you the problem for for all of its complexities, and it doesn't point at any one thing. But he he had this really bizarre, angry reaction, and like two days after that, that's when I found the video and I shared it to the group. So it was like a fresh reminder to people of like that mindset, uh, to our club members. So so would you would you say that to a certain extent? You know, you've done you've done this massive amount of how I guess how long you said you started the the progress the, uh, the process the, project. <laughs> I started it like around like late July, beginning of August. Uh, and my my main point was I wanted to challenge like this this perception of the the idea that most that Gamergate seems to have that most people agree with them. Um, and I mm. I started it. It it basically took me a little over two weeks to do. But I, uh, it was all on my free time. But like almost like every day, I would dedicate like six hours to it. Like I'd come home wow. from work, and then I, I'd, I'd eat dinner. I'd sit down, work on my computer, and then I'd go to sleep at like three a.m. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know where all that energy came from. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I should be dead. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess, it's, I guess to a certain extent, you know, you, 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 you kind of allude to you say it in the article about echo chambers and to a certain extent gamergate is one of the it's the it's a small subsect of gamers in general but as we've seen with all kind of loud loud groups on the internet is that you have very loud sections of that group right right? so we we go back a little bit to the sentiment that they feel is that, hey, we're doing this upright citizens thing where we're we're sticking up for the little people against this mob of journalists and against these these uh, these people who are decrying how gamers are dead and how gamers are terrible. And it seems the most interesting part of the the kind of uh, narrative that's been playing out over the over the year has been just how that conversation for people who are in the circles and out of the circle has changed. Have did you see something specifically in your data or in your in your research where you got a sense or you got an idea of when this switched within Gamergate or when that when that kind of conversation switched even outside of Gamergate for people who weren't really there from the beginning? I think there was because my data focused specifically on the word Gamergate, like everything I did was looking for, does it have a reference to this word? Um, okay. It missed out on a lot of stuff from before Gamergate. So like the the stuff in the middle of August to the to the end of August, uh, bef- like that, that part of Gamergate was before it was properly named. And so I didn't cover any of that. Ah, okay. 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 Um, however, a lot of references were made to the, like the Gamers Are Dead articles, but but not significantly. There, there were a few articles that actually like directly tackled, uh, like 
they uh I found so there were there were some publications that would like they they created the tag Gamergate and they started tagging their articles with it and they actually went back in time and they started uh either like they they took their response to like the gamers are dead controversy and they tagged that as Gamergate. They also went even farther back to like the original articles that when they reported on Anita Sarkeesian's harassment uh, from previous mm. years, they tagged that as Gamergate as well. I decided not to include that uh, just because. Uh, you know, I just realized I forgot to mention that in my methodology, but <laughs> but <laughs> but I decided not to include that because uh, it would it just uh, it it seemed like a special case. Like not many publications did that. It was like one or two. Right. Well, uh, I mean, that's that's revisionist history, and and uh, you know, one of the things that we've we've said, or at least I've said uh, several times uh, regarding GamerGate is is that. Um, the rhetoric that they spew is the same rhetoric that you hear from lots of, um, fringe political movements in the, you know, in the last six, seven, eight years, um, uh, the birthers, uh, the tea party, um, you know, all of these people, their, their, their talking points are, or at least for the tea party, the talking points are things that if you just look at them in the vacuum or you just read them in a vacuum, you say, oh, okay, I can understand. Maybe I, you know, philosophically don't agree with them um, or think that they're valid, but I can understand someone making that argument. Um, And then when you start to actually hear the rhetoric, you're like, hey, wait a minute, that doesn't really seem to jive with what you're, you know, what you're really or what you uh, were purported to be talking about. You know, you're not... Uh, you're talking about uh, how you want a smaller government, how you want these things, but you're only screaming about how you want you want to take your country back. And who do you want to take your country back from? Um, you know, we're all Americans. Uh, and then, you know, of course, the birthers who who are uh, who believed our president wasn't born in the United States of America because he he pulled a fast one on on the supreme court of the united states you know he pulled a fast one on dna right right (laughs) um so uh yeah i mean those those kinds of things it's it's this it's the same thing in in gamergate and and, you know and, and again what happens is you have people that feel like they are losing control um, and it raises their ire and they become more passionate. And when they become more passionate, it becomes uh, more important for them to uh, to sit back and yell and scream and and and, you know, rattle, rattle their sabers so that so that they can be heard and things things can change. And and for a little while with within Gamergate, that's exactly what they were doing. Uh, you know, one of the things that happened was uh famously uh Intel pulled started pulling ads and I know that you talked about that in 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 your piece and and I guess why don't you elaborate on um if you can Livio uh why that happened, if you think you if you think you understand why that happened. Um, and why that was an important for the movement and important for your data. So the Intel thing, uh, for the longest time, it was one of Gamergate's like flagship achievements. Right. Uh, they they really clung on to that. Uh, and then <laughs> Intel kind of made them upset in January when they announced their their diversity fund. Right. Uh, but the 
I think Gamergate is just ridiculously confusing. Like, you can't describe it easily. Like all like I talked about the phenomenon phenomenon of the <laughs> Gamergate <laughs> explainer articles. Uh, like that trend. Um, how people these journalists would like okay i'm gonna research gamergate and they'd start researching it and then they're like i'm gonna publish my 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 summary of what this thing is and they would reference all sorts of things like also of the sub controversies that they had um i think i said it was a like vox who had like the most comprehensive but also the messiest summary <laughs> um but the because it was so confusing uh when gamergate started like pressuring companies to do stuff they didn't really have a they didn't know what it was <laughs> they right. couldn't figure it out and so they're like well they're so organized maybe they have a real thing and i think intel marketers they didn't really know what to do so they're like oh let's just pull our ads then and then came the backlash like all pretty much almost most of the publications that reported on intel doing that thing they did their research like what is gamergate and they concluded it's a harassment campaign against feminists. And right. that was like <laughs> all of the articles saying Intel pulls its ads because of an anti-feminist campaign. And Intel didn't know what that was going on. Right. And I felt really bad for them. And, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter who were against Gamergate, like putting pressure on Intel saying like, how could you do this? And I'm like, don't, don't bother them. They got caught with like, they didn't know what was happening. Um, but I think also uh, there were also a lot of articles uh, talking of like those one article in particular from a website called Advertising Age uh, mm -hmm. that they wrote like a, an opinion piece like how should brands respond to Gamergate? They shouldn't. Yeah, that that was their message. Like, don't get involved in that mess. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, too, because I want to I want to dig a little bit back and because. <clears throat> The, and we're going to kind of talk about this this latest um, kind of uh, uh, incident that happened, I guess, a couple a couple of days ago. Actually, it was this the SPJ Airplay um, uh, seminar or de quote unquote debate right. that wasn't a debate. The seven hour um, seven hour opus seven the seven hour clusterfuck that was the SPJ Airplay. Um, it, it 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 just bugs me out because again we see this revisionist history right we we on our show have talked and said that we are not down with gamergate because we know the origin story of gamergate it started with that video it started with the, the five guys video it started with people like uh what's it the baldwin brother who he's not a, he's not a baldwin brother not a baldwin but brother. he's a baldwin oh, sorry, he's not a baldwin yeah. brother. he's a baldwin yes. that guy the boy ba adam baldwin adam, sorry yeah Starting with Adam Baldwin and his his kind of not so tinfoil hat conspiracy theories that he had, and then it morphed into all these other things. So it was a conversation about the history of talking about the. I even I even hate to call it a movement because it's not a movement. Um, this group and where those people had their outliers and the conversation Olivio just kind of brought up was about how journalists would go and kind of research these folks and kind of talk about the 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 group but not having people to kind of go to and say who are these people who are running this thing and it was this talk about how it's kind of this like amorphous blob of haters and anti-feminists who were in there which is absolutely true but there were people who were leading the charge 
And I think that that is something that people forget to kind of reference and talk about, which makes revisionist history dangerous. So you had folks like Sargon and Milo, who is now one of the one of the the, the most outspoken Gamergate people uh, who worked for Breitbart. Um, you have uh, King of Pole. You have uh, Ralph Retort. You have all these places that made their names, made their bread, and made their their kind of uh, platform on this underlying foundation of anti-feminism, of harassment, and of and of hating people. So it's like we do have to kind of go back and set the record straight and say, look, these are things that actually happened. Let's make sure that when we talk about the conversation that we're talking about them in their proper context and their proper proper reference points. Um, I would say, I guess, Livio, I guess the question I would ask is, you know, you've dug through a lot of of, of work. You've dug through so many articles uh, to a certain extent, were there any folks that you saw who were fairly consistent on the matter? Some folks who were kind of on point about talking about Gamergate in its proper context and kind of haven't changed that tune well? I think almost every publication, like from the beginning, saw Gamergate and knew it was a bad thing. Uh, they might have had like different perspectives on it, like one month they'd publish uh what is Gamergate? Here's like our our super brief analysis of it. And then the <laughs> next month they'd post like uh, different opinions about like, uh, like maybe a longer analysis or followed by like, uh, here's how we should deal with it. And then like the next month they post like, okay, let's don't do, let's not deal with it that way anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, people and people were always also learning about it. I don't think the, uh, I feel like during September, uh, people's understanding of Gamergate was less clear just because like more as more things came up uh, Gamergate had more things to point to to say you don't understand us you didn't talk about this you didn't talk about that right and and so it was very hard for anyone to feel like they had enough confidence to us to basically declare okay I know what Gamergate is now and I know it's bad and I think a lot of, not just like journalists, but also a lot of random gamers in general, they're like, I don't know what Gamergate is. I'm just ignoring it because it looks like a mess. Uh, <laughs> I, I spoke to a few people who read my article and they're like, oh, thank goodness this is the result. I kind of ignored Gamergate. And so I didn't know like what the real uh, consensus was on it. Thank goodness this was uh, that no almost no one sided with it. Right. Right. Well, you, right. you know, I mean, so part of part of the, the problem um, with with movements and I, I'm not going to denigrate them Ka, by by saying they're not a movement just because I, you know, fundamentally disagree with, uh, you know, bigots and misogynists. Um, but but I mean, they were a movement and, and, you know, there's there are similarities that you can draw. Uh, between Gamergate and, and Black Lives Matter, uh, where Black Lives Matter started as a hashtag about a thing where people were just making a point, and then it 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 it's morphed into a, a legitimate movement um, where they're you know talking at political rallies, what have you. Um, but there there really isn't a leadership per se. There are a couple of people that you can point to. 
uh, D-Ray on Twitter. There's a few other people uh, that you can point to and say, you know, this person is definitely out there and they're, they're doing the thing. Um, but, but, you know, w- with regards to Gamergate, I think that um, they didn't know in September, Livio, what, what they were fully. Um, they were just a bunch of people that were angry and they didn't know why. Um, and they, you know, they had a couple of reasons. They, you know, someone came out and had one talking point. Um, you know, uh, Zoe Quinn slept with this dude. She got reviews. That's not fair. Uh, journalists and gamers, you know, and game devs should be separate. We need, you know, ethics and journalism and everyone, you know, and, and those people who, who felt like, you know, some uppity woman wasn't learning her place and wasn't, uh, programming barefoot, um, she, she, <laughs> she, you know, she didn't know her place and, 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 and decided to, uh, you know, go above her station. They wanted to shut her down and, th- and, you know, and then that became a movement. And, and, you know, that was, I think that's part of, part of the issue is that when those types of things happen, most people in, in these, you know, when these fringe movements happen, even, you know, even in Black Lives Matter, which I'm, you know, obviously very supportive of, um, th- there are people that are passionate on one side. There are pe- people that are passionate on the opposing side. And then most of the people in the middle, there is so much apathy, so much apathy. And that, you know, and there are people that will side with one side or the other, but don't care enough to really say anything. Um, And most of the time, most people are good. Most people understand at an individual level what is right and what isn't, you know, what isn't right. If somebody's going around and they're posting new pictures of somebody because they broke up with someone, they don't think that's right, but they don't care enough to go ahead and say some shit about it. So they just, you know, eh, it'll, it'll work itself out. And then they get them, you know, then they see some stuff and then they're like, eh, you know, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay out of it. Um, but apathy really runs the middle and, you know, and, and that's part of the issue. That was, I think that was part of what, why it seemed like most people didn't support Gamergate. Um, most people didn't listen to it because most people were just apathetic and didn't come out and say, you know, fuck you guys and scream them down. Cause I, th- and I, and I think to a certain extent I have to agree with that, but I also want to, I guess that's the, well, I mean, cause it, it was a point that I was going to make anyway. And I was right. Oh, <laughs> um, but, but, I, but I think in that, in that context, again, isn't that the reason why people need to shout these things down? Absolutely. And continue to shout these things. Down? Absolutely. Because, because we find ourselves here a year later having a discussion about this, which I, you know, I've gotten some pushback from folks and they were like, Oh, well, we shouldn't maybe talk about this again. Cause it's kind of boring and that's great. And I, I want people to continue to say that, but I think it's about setting the record straight. It's about saying this was a movement or this is a, this is a group that started a conversation because I think you have to have a point if you're a movement. And I think you have well, to actually. Well, they did. Have to, they did have a point. No, they didn't. They did have a point. No, they didn't. They they had a point. No, they they had a point. They had a point about bullshit ethics in journalism, and nah. women are terrible. And and you nah. know, and there would be ethics in journalism if there were no women in games. 
Well, no, it would be it would be there would there there would be ethics in gaming if there were no social justice warriors. Right. In there. Right. Okay. Well, and, the, well, and, there's and, your and point. People, but that's not a that's there's not that's point. not a movement. That's not a point. That's not that's not that a is point. a Go point. I, I don't agree with the point, but yeah, right. I, mean, I mean, all of the ethics thing was a symptom of the general point, which is you know, get your politics out of my games. Right. You know what I'm saying? Get you know, like uh, get get your social justice issues out of my games. That's why I would say that. I mean, I don't think the word movement is necessarily a pos- always has a positive right. connotation to it. Like I do right. think that good point, this good point. is representative of the same pushback that you see in movies, in like books, in you know when Rue from the Hunger Games was black in the movies, even though she's right. black in the book. When Idris Elba <laughs> was Thor in right. in the movies, like right. like um, he was Black Heimdall. <laughs> yeah, and and um, I thought that like you know that like there was a really great point in the article that talked about sort of this like uh, image board culture um, right. of like the Chans and like all that stuff and like how there's sort of this anti-establishment free speech is everything like like a like a we. We want to keep sort of our, you know, white male bro culture um, free of everything because this is what protected me when I was getting bullied as a kid. You know, right. I think that's really where all this comes from. And I think that is a point like their point is we don't want that to change. We, we don't want these issues of feminism, of, uh, of uh, race, of like diversity to affect our gaming experiences i mean the ethics and gaming journalism thing to me wouldn't wouldn't really come up if if depression quest was like you know a call of duty kind of game right right yeah and there's a lot of things that a movement can say other than like the official things that it supposedly says like like they they said much more through their actions than they have through their talking points absolutely absolutely that's a great great point that's a great point i I just want to add this other parts of that conversation about the, and I think this is a thing that to a certain extent the anti-gamer gate side got wrong and I think to its detriment was that it did to a certain extent paint a very broad brush that the move that the gamer gate was all white dudes who were mad in their basement in some form or fashion yes that's a faction of it but as we saw with not your shield there are assholes in all shapes, sizes, and colors, right. and, and and genders. That was the, and genders, right? So it's like I want I want that to be a part of the narrative too. When we talk about the history of of Gamergate, as this was an all asshole movement, right. it wasn't just <laughs> a singular asshole movement. Right. This was a, a total asshole movement right. that that got pushed out into into to the world. Um, get Livia, so you wanted uh, to add something? To I. I did get a few responses to this article from people on Twitter who appeared to be women. Uh, yeah. And I was I was kind of surprised by it. But on the other hand, I also didn't pay too much attention to it. Like, I, I think uh, I was when when the mob was kind of when when I kicked the beehives, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> I was like in this moment of, oh, so this is what it's like uh, <laughs> to be one of their targets. Welcome to the club. Um. And, uh, like I was, uh, it was like, af- like it got popular, really popular, like in the morning after I published it, I published it late at night, the night before, uh, it wasn't until like the night after, 
like it's been a whole day of gamer gators and i mean uh insults and stuff and really weak uh critiques of my article uh it was it wasn't until that night that somebody suggested have you thought about using gg autoblocker <laughs> and i'm like no i haven't didn't never crossed my mind actually that's shout out to randy harper <laughs> shout out to randy harper but yeah. but yeah like uh i got when when they were like when they were like surrounding my feed i i kind of took that chance to like analyze them a little bit and also to analyze how it was affecting me right. um for the most part uh i felt like like everybody felt very similar like their head space was almost in the exact same spot like they're in this very defensive mm. position sure. they were grasping at random things that they could point to to delegitimize my article like someone said you put wikipedia on there i'm not reading your thing anymore <laughs> i'm like sorry if it's the seventh most popular site on the right. internet right. <laughs> oh shit you use the lecture you, rankings you, at all not reading <laughs> but can we can we talk about that a little bit and I think that that's actually really another important part to, to the story of the overall narrative, right? Is like, I, I you know, I like I don't think gamer got gamer got GamerGate got a lot of quote unquote wins during the time that they were doing all the things that they're doing, and still they aren't really getting any wins in the grand scheme of things, right? right. The the whole foundation of well, you know, when it, when it got past their the harassment parts, well, it didn't it never got past right. the harassment part, right. but. But when it got to the whole like, well, we're going to take these things and we're going to have Total Biscuit talk about all these um, ethical instances where think where people aren't doing stuff. So now Kotaku, now Gawker, we want you to add this caveat to every article that you put that tells that says basically, I didn't I didn't sleep with that woman, or I didn't basically I had sex in a Burger King bathroom. Right. I didn't do that. You know what I mean? So like you have these caveats on the end of of articles, which to a certain extent, didn't do anything because most people don't read the article. They go to the score well, or they don't or they take their time to not read people who people's work who they already don't like. So it's like I'm going to go to this Kotaku article to read stories and read game reviews from people who I would never really go to because I don't think that they're ethical or I don't like their stories. I don't like the way they review things. I'm I'm like that kind of stance to go in that route never really made sense to me because it's like, you already know who you like to read. You already know whose people you trust in the gaming space. And if you don't trust anybody, then you shouldn't be going <laughs> and getting reviews to make your argument about whether you should buy a game or not. Just play the goddamn game and then you'll make up your own mind. Go ahead. See. Oh no, I was just going to say that. I mean, these disclaimers are, um, they're prevalent all over the place. Um, if you're any Long Islanders that are out there, um, anytime uh, my favorite newspaper, Newsday, talks about the Knicks um, or mm-hmm. anything having to do with Madison Square Garden or Cablevision, they always have to put in a disclaimer that um, Newsday is owned by Cablevision, which owns Cablevision or which owns right. which owns the garden. Um, it's you know I mean it's it it is a blurb that people put in so that there there isn't an ethical violation at some point if someone wants to go ahead 
and attempt to sue to say, oh, well, these guys were playing favorites because um, and they didn't disclose that information. Now that information is disclosed. So anything that comes out afterwards, they're not liable for. Uh, in terms of ethics, there's there are no ethical violations because they've disclosed whatever relationship that they have. And that's you know what, if 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 gamer gators want to say that that is their contribution to the to the games industry, then <laughs> then you know what, I applaud that because that is something if there is a positive that you can pull out of a movement that is the one positive that you can pull out of that movement that is something that helps to legitimize the gaming journalism industry so that gaming journalism looks like other journalism uh and is is legitimate in terms of its transparency um, Which is interesting because that's not the way journalism fucking works. Well, it 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 does. It when, doesn't work that way. It does when <laughs> it does when media when when media crosses paths the way that media does in the in the digital age. Um, you know because it if you you know if you spend like if you have a vested interest and you know and i've done it personally on the show if there is someone if we have a guest on and they've got a patreon or they've got a kickstarter and i've donated to that i will say that i've donated to it um it, you know i think it's dope so i put my money there um and and you know doesn't mean that i can't i can't uh spotlight what's going on with with what they're doing over there because you know i think it's dope and it's part of the reason that they're on the show um but 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 can, but, can i ask you this question though? sure right you do that freely because you feel like you can you need to do well to a certain extent you feel like you need to disclose it because of the climate that we now have, right well right? It's, it's because because i don't want people after the fact to say oh well that motherfucker see just said you know he just put them on because he's backing them or he put them on because he's got some kind of vested interest and, 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 you know, talking to them, he's got some agenda like Lee Alexander famously said, yeah, I've got an agenda. Of course I've got an agenda. I'm not afraid of saying what my agenda is. And if, if, if me saying that I have my agenda and me saying I have a relationship with someone keeps you from coming back and telling me that I've got an agenda and I've got, you know, I'm playing favorites and quotes with someone, then, you know, if that's the only argument you've got, then fuck you. Then now you've got no argument. What are you going to do now? But you, but you can still, but that's the, that's the reason why I felt that all this stuff was so unreasonable in many ways is because one, you can still believe that in regard to how many disclaimers you put. And on the flip side of that, Who's to say that you can't support something and still be and still give an unbiased yeah, opinion about be, their work or right. about them or about the project to that be they objective? Do. It's like, yeah, because you know why? Because, you know, again, and and this is this you just change this episode to things C said in the past, um, because one of the <laughs> things one of the things that I said a long, long time ago on the show is that uh, especially in gaming, but on the internet and specifically with, with regards to video games. Um, it's the only place where legitimate kids and adults play together or communicate with each other 
on an equal plane as as peers. So and what happens is the kids aren't raised to the adults level of thinking and maturity level. What happens is the 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 adults regress to becoming teenagers again and and you wind up with this this sophomoric vitriol all of the time and you know and and so you 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 have to you know you have to know you always have to know your audience so you have to be able to to navigate the quagmire that is this that is you know that is locker room 16 year old boy locker room either humor or attitudes or or uh mentality so what you have to do is remember that you're not a 16-year-old male in a locker room, that you're a 20-something, a 30-something, a 40-something, 50-something-year-old adult who is sophisticated enough to outsmart the 16-year-old and, and put in, you know, and put in safeguards to say, hey, yeah, maybe you are going to say something about this. So I say something about it first. Now what the fuck are you going to say? You know, just shut the hell up and listen to what I have to say about a thing. And if you don't like the thing, then don't like the thing. I don't care. But don't come back to me and say, oh, well, you know, you you oh, you had Lisa Brown on the show. You're supporting her Patreon. You know, that's why you had her on is because you want other people to to support her Patreon. Fuck yes. That is exactly why I had Lisa Brown on the show, because I want other people to support her Patreon. I think she's dope. I think what she does is dope. And that's why I'm, I'm giving her money every month. So if you want to give her money every month like me, then then go ahead and do so. If you don't Patreon.com slash Wordle. Yep, exactly. Um, you know, and <laughs> if and if, right, and if you don't, then <laughs> right. don't. But don't sit here and, and, and tell me that that, you know, I'm an asshole because I use my platform to promote promote someone that I think is doing good work. I mean, hell, that's legitimately what everyone does. Well, I guess basically they, they promote good and bad work unbiasedly. Basically, but we'll um, here here at, at Spawn on Me, we're gonna just try and promote the good work. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and I think I think right now is a good time to promote some dope work, right? Yeah, uh, we're gonna do we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, we're gonna do something that we haven't done in a minute, uh, and I think you're gonna like it. And we'll be right back after this. <laughs> Seen a lot of believe say, oh my God, how the Lord face one like his own squad. One man army, that do sound odd. Those clocking on the low, don't be alarmed. I deal with Father Time, the timeless kind. Finite minds to find a line of mind to be blown like landmines laying in the pine. I heard it from the vine, great. I heard it when I rhyme, great. Worked it for no kind to pay. Work hard so it means it's hard to play. Like Brown James, I'm back for the pay. So, so rappers ain't earned, they stay. My cookbook say you ain't deserve a play. Don't care if you hungry, Jack, learn the game. Guess who's turns today? Yeah, that be me with a cherry on top to the highest degree. 33rd to a mason, masonry. Use brick concrete in this jungle I sleep. You bent out of shape and it's puzzling me. I'm getting back in the shape so the hustle increase. Can say that it's hustling flow. Only rest in the north and it's bubbling slow. Muffin gay trouble man, what's troubling? No. Miss Black says softly, I'm killing it though. Guess long time coming, gunning for more. Try to stunt past me, I'll stunt your growth. You look Gary Cole front, my new bow. Whatever I do, never mind, nuke the y'all. Don Dada Kulade. Light of my shine, little mo. 
Don't wanna hear a peep like Lil Bo. Can I kick it, man? I do it with a steel toe. See me going for the ring like Bilbo. Say, oh my God, how the Lord phase one like his own squad? One man on me, that do sound odd. It's this man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. High caliber, Highlander rap. Prime minister, rhyme sinister. Critics get slapped. These stump thuggers. We above the cloud, hustle huggers. You claim abundance, got nothing on us. We triumphant title holders like a mighty soldier. Containing hard until our lives is over. Cracking fangs of a trifling cobra. I'm from the Mecca, Royalist Tut. Kingers and respecters, metal detectors. My spirit will check you. Spit a lecture that'll eat you like lecter. Holy Trinity trifecta. Try us out, let us infect you. No special effects. See me fly, no CGI. I speak G, but PG when it's movie time. Numerous DTs couldn't lock the skill. Give me three feet. Or I add three more Leave you chill, this raw Like we in the slaughterhouse Butcher a beat and get applauded out Spit mean, look clean like I'm laundered out Welcome everybody, this is the Spawn of Me Podcast That was a thing that you hadn't heard in a long time That was called a music break um, We are here back on episode 75 That track was from my dude One of the best MCs on the planet Phase 1 of the Bronx It's called Ageless Man uh, I hope you liked it um, We are chilling with Livio De La Cruz who who spit some hot fire himself this week uh, with his dope Gamergate article. Um, I know that we left off on kind of a sentiment of just talking about, you know, kind of the greater context of the group and also talking about just like how objectivity has been a thing that people have talked about in real ways. Um I think the interesting thing about objectivity when it comes to game reviews is if you just left out the feels, quote unquote, <laughs> that people kind of talk about when they have like kind of elaborate, elaborate and, and, and very thoughtful uh, reviews, it would basically just be like, yo, the game work is an eight <laughs> here. Yo, the game, the game plays all right. It doesn't have bugs. It still works when you when you turn your machine back on. There's an eight. Is there is there a thing about Gamergate that you saw in in some of your uh, kind of your 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 research that would lend to to giving that any credence, or, or is it kind of a moot point to to ask for these magical object? Uh, 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 I can't think of the word <laughs> magical no feeling objective reviews. So I think a core like a core part of my understanding of Gamergate, like we. We mentioned earlier the concept of an echo chamber, but I think it's more than that. Like an echo chamber is like you hear your you hear things that you agree with all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Gamergate heard plenty of stuff they didn't agree with, but they just actively rejected it and they grabbed, they clung on to certain ideas to help them reject those ideas, even no matter how like legitimate they were. So like. Uh, they kind of clung on to this concept of objectivity as a thing that might help them silence uh, political discussion in game reviews uh, and just games journalism in general, like opinion pieces and et cetera. Um, they, 
they saw that like, well, if you were objective, you wouldn't include your agenda in there. And if you were objective, <laughs> you wouldn't talk about how sexist this is. Uh, and so, but yeah, they, they, they really clung on to that. And it's the same thing could be like said to like the ethics thing. Ethics was a thing they clung on to. Uh, like, well, if you were ethical, you wouldn't actually like Anita Sarkeesian <laughs> or you would, or you wouldn't actually believe the stories of harassment. Uh, every, uh, every, like, this is like, uh, Gamergate's like a broken record when they claim they accuse people of not, uh, researching their movement. Like there's plenty of research and there's plenty of conclusions you can draw. Um, they, they say like, you should talk to g- real gamergators and of course pe- plenty of people talk to real gamergators but they still concluded that they're they're kind of motivated by feminist anti-feminist uh beliefs but they still cling on to the like, like well you didn't really talk to real gamergators you spoke to like the the crazy fringe that makes us look <laughs> bad or people who are impersonating us to make us look bad and they just cling on to more of these beliefs so that they don't have to accept reality um, and so, like every everything about like Gamergate is like they're just clinging on to stuff and getting crazier and crazier that way. Uh, like even after like if you look at how Gamergate started, they they talked a lot about objectivity and ethics and journalism. Now, like back like in order to believe in ethics and journalism, you have to kind of believe that journalism is important, that it matters, and that it has an impact on people. Now, after a lot of the responses that I got from this article from Gamergate uh, were claiming, like, oh, no, all media is terrible. You shouldn't pay attention to any media. They're all corrupt. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Nobody actually listens to the media anymore these days. And I'm like, this is just such a 180. And just for them to be able to believe that most people agree with Gamergate and for them to be able to believe that they're right. Yeah, Reef. I wanted I wanted you to jump in. Yeah, so um, I wanted to kind of recenter the conversation based on I guess the inspiration of your piece. I know you mentioned that one thing that st- stuck in your head after those conversations with your friend on the Facebook group was was this sort of idea that you know the majority of people agree with you know with Gamergate, right? And that that spurred a lot of your research and to see if that hypothesis actually played out. So that kind of um, went against a lot of what I saw, which was Gamergate, um, you know, like uh, like uh, many movements, kind of identifying themselves as kind of like the uh, true believers, like the minority of people that are fighting against the masses that are stupid and don't know what exactly is like correct and they've been brainwashed by the social justice warriors and all that kind of stuff. Um, kind of like a weird gaming version of the five percenters. Oh shit. I'm sorry. That's the best thing I've heard ever. So like I'm saying we did five percenters and then I think it's like the 85 percenters. Yeah. And, and, uh, yo brother reef, if you fold this $20 bill, you will see the twin towers burning. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so so like uh, th- those two things, I had some trouble kind of putting those in my um, kind of um, placing those in my mind. So I was wondering if you could help me out with this. Is Gamergate more? Do they see themselves, based on your research, more as 
like representative of the broader thought process and the social justice stuff is the minority or do they see themselves as as the minority and the social justice <laughs> stuff is the majority that's actually very interesting because sometimes they think of themselves as a, an oppressed minority and other times they think of themselves as representing everyone uh like <laughs> when so like Whenever anybody does anything against Gamergate, like an article gets published or somebody's like, that's it, I'm banning Gamergate from my community. Uh, they, like, my friend who's a Gamergater, he would call that systematic oppression. Like, oh, you're being, <laughs> how can you support the systematic oppression of people who believe this stuff? Uh, and so, however, on the other hand, when they see something that's announcing Gamergate or something that's feminist and they look down at the comments section and they see a bunch of angry Gamergaters saying bad things about it, they're like, ah, oh, look at that. Everybody hates this. <laughs> Nobody's listening to this article. And like, one of the most absurd uh, critiques that like probably the loudest critique that Gamergate gave, like something that they amplified and repeated a lot during the two days that they were on top of me, uh, they were... I, I said that the Colbert Report had more than doubled the views of the top gamer pro Gamergate video on YouTube. Um, right. So not even the YouTube community was pro Gamergate. Um, and they're like, "No, you should have gone into the video and looked at how many dislikes it had. It had thirty thousand dislikes on an almost nine hundred thousand viewed video." And I'm like, what a small percentage of people right. click dislike. And you concluded that most people didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and they they started, uh, the, the reason they concluded that was because there were only like a, a very few number of likes compared to the 30,000 dislikes. Um, but the they even passed around, like somebody made an image of like a screenshot of my Twitter profile next to uh like a bunch of stats saying uh <laughs> m how microsoft employee does statistics is like 850,000 minus 30,000 equals so and so most people liked it and then like how adults do statistics is like 30 uh 30,000k uh, dislikes whatever uh likes most people didn't like it how gamergate does uh dislike uh analysis and it was like this ridiculously complicated mathematical equation to <laughs> extrapolate the number of people who liked and disliked based on the number of likes and dislikes <laughs> and, and like based on the views and I'm like this, this is absurd math and they they retweeted it and they posted it on their reddit and they like passed it all over the place and and I uh I posted that on our club's Facebook group and I'm like guys why is gamergate so weird <laughs> and uh, it, it's yeah you you know it's i mean again it is it is prototypical uh, or stereotypical um actions and behaviors of a fringe group of people that feel that like they are uh losing their heritage um you know it, you you if you look at uh, Southern whites, uh, you know, they, they cling to the Confederacy. And, you know, we recently saw that play out with the Confederate flag. And, um, you know, again, 
uh, with the the Tea Partiers who were trying to take their country back, and the Birthers who you know want to prove that the president of the United States is a is a secret you know Muslim Kenyan alien. Um, and it just all of all of those, it's the same type of sentiment that, you know, they feel like they're losing something. And because they're losing something, they've got to attack everyone who says you guys are really kind of full of shit. You should just kind of, you know, recognize that you're full of shit and understand that, you you know, you've had a long time of being being catered to and and being the ones that everyone spoke to in in a in a very specific way and now that time is kind of going away and you know it might be time to kind of embrace that because there are other people around now with purchasing power and and a voice um and and they're being heard and and they want to be represented and uh that you know that's not a bad thing it's not it's not subtraction. It's just addition, actually. Um, so if they, you know, if they want to, if they want to do some fucking equations, equate that bitch. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead Reef. Yeah. So, um, so one thing that you also centered your um, research on was sort of. Um, so like one of the quotes that you have is, I'm essentially assuming that the world of journalism had more of an impact on what most people think about Gamergate than all of the YouTube videos, Reddit threads, and Twitter hashtags combined. So when I first read that, I was like, okay, that makes sense, like considering that the hypothesis of it is that, you know, it's kind of um, battling against this like thought that most people, you know, agree with Gamergate. But then when I sat back and thought about it, I always saw these um, discussions not really about the mainstream people, but about people in that pay attention to the gaming industry. So when I thought that Gamergate people said most people agree with us, they were really talking more about the gaming enthusiasts per se, like uh, people that read websites, people that read like reviews, people that comment on forums. Right. right. Um, so they weren't really talking about sort of the the you know the uh, audience that would be attuned to most of the um, articles that you picked out like the ABC News stuff and Forbes and like all of those like major things. So I know you haven't done this particular research, but if you do, you think that you would have come to a different conclusion if you just looked at sort of the gaming enthusiast. Um, press and I know you did look at like some of them. I mean, obviously you looked at Gama Sutra and like and like you looked at at some boards and stuff. But if you exclusively looked at that stuff, um, do you think that you might have come to a different conclusion? Hmm, I think like the the biggest uh, game sites are like IGN and Gamespot, and they they didn't cover Gamergate at all. Right. Uh, they kind of spoke a little bit about the harassment and the, like I think IGN reported on the the that petition that went around the games industry. A bunch of game developers signed it. It's like we don't support the harassment of like the last month. Uh, they reported on that. There were I think I remember seeing a lot of uh, bad comments underneath that, <laughs> but <laughs> but they they pretty much ignored it. And uh, game GameSpot. Uh, they would like cite articles on other people uh, from other sites. So like, 
oh hey uh, a a bom- uh, shooting threat was against the Anita Sarkeesian and it's they're just citing another person's report they're not making their own real report on it and they're not really saying anything other than it happened um but yeah they they uh i i think for IGN in particular like the word gamergate could not be found on their site <laughs> right. there was right. <laughs> really there was right. like oh, there right. was like Talk one article that referenced it uh I remember that those big sites were getting a lot of shit from um, specifically from women in the industry that were saying, why aren't you speaking against this? I remember that Polygon was one of the first sites I saw that had an actual, you know, opinion piece from the editor. Um, I think it was from Phil Collar, I think, that, that was speaking about it and saying how they weren't on board with it. And that was like, a huge deal because right, the IGN, right. the the the, uh, the uh, game spots and yeah, all of them didn't say anything. And uh, I think the Escapist was one of the first to respond, but they were just saying, "We hear you. We got some ethics things to fix." Uh, <laughs> the, but I think I think like at the time when I was doing the research and I was gathering the data, and I I felt really like kind of grossed out by the fact that a lot of sites didn't respond to it. I'm like, I couldn't but help interpret them like, oh, you guys were just a bunch of wimps. You didn't want your readers to lash back at you, even though this was so obviously uh, wrong. However, like, now that I've thought about it more, like, something that I I was reminded of was the fact that Gamergate was really confusing. Uh, It's very likely that the reason a lot of sites hesitated to respond or didn't respond at all was because they just didn't get what was going on. They're like, what is this stuff? And without that confidence that you under the confidence that you understand it, it's very hard for you to get up on a platform and denounce it or support it. I think that that was a part of it. And then the, the backlash came from the greater community who was paying attention to it and saying, there's enough evidence here for you to say something about it and you're still not saying anything about it. So, so that was an interesting kind of period in that time where, you know, I heard a lot of, I heard a lot of folks in the industry who were talking about that directly to other folks in the industry of being like, how are you not going to say something? You're just sitting on the sideline and just kind of just like playing it off like nothing's happening. And and that's just as dangerous as you you know letting it rock. So. Right. And the same right. thing happened for a lot of game companies. Like game like companies in particular did not release anything in particular uh, like specifically against Gamergate. Um, no. I think uh, Blizzard might have like they were the one that got attention for saying like we hate the harassment or whatever. And people were like yeah they denounced Gamergate but they didn't really say the word Gamergate. I don't think. Right. Um. But th- yeah. yeah. That's kind of how it was, though. Like, I, I think they were in the same position as the, the news sites. Like, they, they either didn't get it or they didn't want to uh, get in the mess. That Like, like it's the same thing like like Intel. Like, nobody wanted to be Intel, basically. Well, I, I think there was some cowardice in there, too, though. Well, I mean, it, it's the thing that you have to remember is uh, both for the media sites and and for the the publishers and, and game devs is, is, you know, they're they're selling a product. Um, and, and that product is being consumed by, by both sides of this, you know, both sides of this debate by the, you know, by the fringe movement of Gamergate and by, you know, by people with, with normal, non-bigoted, non-misogynistic brains. And, um, you know, but they, they, you know, they want to market their games to, to all of them. 
So I, I think there is an Easter egg in Batman Arkham Knight that right. one of the Riddler challenges references Gamergate um, in, in, a, in a certain way. Um, but but again, doesn't mention it by name because, again, like, you, you know, you, you don't want to piss off your you don't want to piss off your consumer base um, when you can just insult them and not have them realize it. Yeah, um, that silence hurt. Like it, it fed the movement, though, because like, as I said earlier, they grasped at things to latch onto to believe that they were winning. Uh, and so when because people like they denounced the harassment, but they didn't denounce Gamergate specifically, it allowed Gamergate to go on believing that that publication might have been on their side or something or that company was right. on their side. Right, yeah, right. yeah, and, and I, I would um, I would disagree with you a bit, Cicero, on that. <laughs> I don't think that any of these gaming sites would say, yeah, we don't care who consumes our content. We're just putting it out there. I do think they have stances and missions and, mm-hmm. and public values, especially sites like uh, Polygon and such where they – Oh, yeah. And they say, you know, like we are, we are, we have. This is our ethics policy of like journalism. This is what we do. So, I think that they had the ammunition that they needed to be able to make a stance. And if they happen to lose viewers or like hits, then those hits aren't within their, you know, it it doesn't fall within the people that they're looking to attract anyway. Right. Well, right. So Polygon, Polygon, and then uh, I think later, later on in in the day, you know, in the day being uh, time, months, weeks, um, (laughs) later on in the day, Kotaku also came out and and said something quasi officially. Um, But but IGN and GameSpot uh, have have yet to do so. And, and, you know, like Livio said that, that, you know, if you if you. Google Gamergate and IGN, you'll find maybe one hit. You know, and it's a one-line yeah. passing reference, so it wasn't right. enough to even con- include it in my data set. Right. So, so it, because because IGN is the biggest, and you know, is the is the biggest gaming media source in the world. Um, they do everything in their power to make sure that they stay that way, and and. The way that they do that is by staying staying clear of controversy, um, controversy that isn't gaming or you know media entertainment related, uh, and and even though that this affected uh, people who were game makers, uh, game creators, and and consumers. Uh, they weren't going to step out and you know and say say something one way or the other because it is vitally important to them that they remain number one and they can't remain number one by taking what you know what people can will consider to be divisive stances on things even if the divisive stance is supported by eighty five percent of the community. That's still fifteen percent, and I think that number is really, really high. I think it's probably more like ninety-five five. But even even if it is eighty eighty-five percent of the community that is for this stance, they're still alienating fifteen percent of the community, and that's not something that they can afford to do if they want to remain uh, the number one source for for gaming news in the world. 
Yeah, and they also don't they also don't want their their brand to be defined by it. Like, oh, they are right. the ones that did this thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's so weak to me. That's weak to me because yeah. that's like that's like saying nine out of ten wife beaters prefer Polygon, and you wouldn't come out and be like, no, we don't support this. No, we're just gonna rock with the so we don't alienate anybody. Well, you know, I that's, mean, I, again, silly. I. I'll continue to draw the parallels between this and Black Lives Matter. And, and, you know, over the last few weeks, we've seen uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, his his speeches, his uh, political stops being being stopped, uh, his speeches being stopped by by people protesting for Black Lives Matter. Um, You know, we've seen we've seen the movement go out and and stop and, you know, disrupt politicians who are running for president just so that they can be heard. Um, They don't want, you know, and, and no one's come out. None of these politicians have come out and just definitively said, Hey, you know what? Yeah. This black lives matter movement. I may not really understand what it's about, but I understand what they're trying to say, which is stop fucking killing black people. And if you're going to do it, uh, you're going to get in trouble for it. You know, you're a cop. You're you're probably going to be fined even more for it. And, you know, I completely support that because that's, you know, I mean, that's just a reasonable thing to do. Um, they still haven't done that. And and you've got to you've got to ask yourself why people aren't doing that. And that's that's the thing. I think that's exactly what Levio saying is that they don't want to be the one that that comes out and says, oh, well, you know, somebody their their opponents, the people that are breathing down their neck will come out and say, oh, well, they supported Black Lives Matter. So if you don't support Black Lives Matter, um, you should come down with me because they've come out. They've already come out and said that they that they do. Um, So if IGN came out and said Gamergate is bullshit, best believe GameSpot would be like, hey, guys, hey, Gamergators, um, you know, or hey, if you if you don't like the fact that they came out and said Gamergate is bullshit, come read our site for, you know, from now on. Yeah, but that's uh, first of all. I think we got to take a step back because the the that actual premise was brought up by uh, the the quote unquote based mom of GamerGate, Christina Summers, in in the SJ uh, SJ not SJ was it SJ Play uh, SPJ. SPJ I'm sorry SPJ, SPJ Play, Airplay where she kind of made this correlation and tried to try to link or say that GamerGate was like Black Li- Black Lives Matter, oh which is the dumbest thing I've heard. In a long time, I know you just said it twice, but right. it's stupid. Well, I don't, I and don't this- think, I don't think it's dumb. I don't think it's dumb to say that it's like that. In so much that they are two movements that were started essentially on Twitter. They're hashtags. Um, you know, one movement is about is about one thing, and another movement is about uh, something completely different. You know, one movement is about making sure that that uh, the lives of black people and people of color throughout this country are treated the same as, you know, non people of color with, you know, within this country and that we, we benefit from the laws that of the land. And the other is about hate and misogyny and bigotry. I mean, I think what you're missing is black lives matter is like a organization with chapters and identified leaders and a platform of, you know, it's sort of like more like the clan. If you want to make like a, 
like a, well, the clan is clan has organized. Hatred. No, 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 no. That's that's what I'm saying. Is like, oh, okay. I don't, I don't think it's equivalent to a hatred group like Gamergate. It's more equivalent to a hatred group like the clan. That's why I don't like that comparison. Right, right. Because black, yes, yes, there are people on Twitter that use the hashtag that are not part of the organization Black Lives Matter, but that is like a thing with an agenda and and documented plans and a strategy and founders and people that represent it. Yeah, and the exactly. complete opposite of what Gamergate is. And really quickly, the people who the people who are in the affected groups within Black Lives Matters actually will be affected by and are affected by the movement being the movement getting going forward or stopping. The people who are in those supposed kind of leadership roles within Gamergate don't even play games they're not even in the community to, to milo is not in the community he was never really he, he has said for and if i'm not mistaken he has said that before gamergate started he didn't give a crap about that that group of people yeah, his first Christine, his first article on gamergate specifically said that he's not a gamer and right. and then like a year after gamergate started he published an article saying here's what i learned from a year of playing games <laughs> right and then Christi- Christina yes and Christina Summers says herself that she was never a gamer she got onto this because she's she's anti uh, radical feminism right. she these are the people who are again the people who are being up, uplifted and put on a platform and and gamer gators to a certain extent even though there is no one section that they can go to and say these are the people who are representing us these are the people who are representing this group so we have to again not put bullshit on the same platform as truth and make sure that when you have these conversations, that those are part of that conversation as well. I think Livia, I know you want to think there's, something there's to also that. like something to be said about the skill of running a movement. Like uh, it sounds like black lives matter is much more organized and much like there's a lot more skill done put in there to make sure like to make sure that it, they reach their, their goals to make sure that they attract more supporters. Gamergate, they refused to do any of that they people would suggest like hey if this if you care so much about this formalize your stuff like create right. a platform uh elect a leader and they're like no we're not doing that no <laughs> <laughs> and the uh when i was reading the updates by the guy who was organizing the spj airplay event uh my personal assessment of him was uh that he just didn't know enough about Gamergate, and he he thought maybe oh yeah he believed the claims that people were being unfair to it, so he's like I'm gonna be more fair to it. Um, and uh, my friend he would point me to his updates to say like look how look how seriously he takes Gamergate, and I'm reading like the last like six updates that he posted were all very critical of Gamergate. He was talking about how uh, how fed up he was with putting up with these people, and how. Uh, like they they were making him angry because they were being immature and they're being jerks to him. Right. And uh, at the his final update, he said like, "Okay, it's finally over." And I'm ambivalent. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't care about their cause. It doesn't look like it's gonna go well. Blah blah blah. And he he said something like, "There's like there's like two faces to Gamergate. One face is like, yeah, we want to talk to you about this stuff, and the other face is like more than willing to." turn you into their enemy if you don't agree with everything they say and he's like what kind of a weirdo movement is this 
It, so, it sounds it sounds like Chicago Bulls fans, right? right. <laughs> so, Livio, well, I I, I want to ask uh, this question. You know, you you went through two two days of, of vitriol after it uh, after your your article, uh, you know, went became popular and went viral. Um, were were there any positives that you could draw from from your experience in the spotlight? So. Back when I, in January, I wrote this piece on uh, fighting internet hate. Uh, back then, I recognized that I didn't know enough about what it was like to be like at the the target of that mob. So when I right. uh, when I published the article, and I started getting a lot of responses and a lot of weird things from GamerGate. Uh, I'm like, oh, so this is what it's like. Let me like take some notes, <laughs> uh, and uh, I I. So I noticed first, uh, like, I, I read every single thing that came in, and I also had comments enabled on my article, which I have since disabled because they're getting ugly. <laughs> um, like, I, I approved a few good comments, and I approved some bad ones, but that weren't bad enough to reject. Uh, and then I'm like, ah, I hate this. I'm going to delete it. <laughs> I'm going to delete all of it. Uh, I don't want to, like, give these guys a platform on this article. Um so, but then because I read everything, I actually, uh, I, I was able to see a lot of the positive stuff as well. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a, a lot of people, uh, responding saying, thanks for doing this. Thanks a lot. Um, right. Zoe Quinn, uh, she said that, uh, because this was the week that it was Gamergate's birthday, they kind of had been sending a lot of stuff to her, uh, uh. this week, like, th- like the harassment was spiking. And that seeing my article kind of helped her a bit. It made her keep perspective and to say, no, these guys really are weirdos. People, nobody <laughs> agrees with them. That's awesome. That's weird. awesome. I think, I think, uh, cause we're, we're going to pivot, um, to what we've been playing, but I want to, I want to, I, I kind of want to thank you for, you know, we're, we're, we're stat nerds on this show, uh, in lots of ways. And we I like think facts. We like facts. And yes, we like facts. Hashtag. We like facts. <laughs> Is is one of those things where I have been currently frustrated and usually frustrated when it comes to this discussion is because, like like C said earlier, a lot a, a lot of times we see these false equivalences being made. We see a lot of folks and a lot of movements and a lot of a lot of people being put on these platforms with that they don't necessarily deserve, and it, it feels like the back end of this past year has been a lot of that, where Gamergate has been given a lot of credence and a lot of leeway and a lot of um a, a lot a lot of room to run with the narrative that never really started from a very profound and or proper place so this your article kind of wrapped up a lot of that and put it in a really nice statistical bow that yeah. we could all kind of uh, look at in that way so I, w- I wanted to thank you for for, for writing this article because it was very very dope and, and i'm happy that you're here to talk when about it. when i put it together it was almost like i was taking all of the anti-gamergate sentiments of the industry and i put it into one really good package that they couldn't ignore 
Uh, I, I heard somebody, one of the responses I got was like, holy moly, Gamergate is freaking out right now. You must have struck a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Um, so we're, so we're going we're gonna to switch up subjects. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit before we get up out of here for episode 75 about some of the games that we've been playing. Because it's been a lot of stuff coming out. It's been crazy in the past couple of weeks. Um, things that we've been able to kind of get our hands on and and consume and play. Um, I guess who wants to go first? Um, Ladies first. Go ahead, Ka. You know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dignify that with an answer. <laughs> so <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Reef. Yeah. So the game that I'm playing right now, which is the official uh, Minister and No Finance Toilet game, is Pac Man 256. Um, and it's essentially like a, like a endless runner game, so you play until you die. Um, and you're playing in the Pac-Man universe, so it's like an isometric view, um, and, and you are eating dots and power pellets and avoiding ghosts and, and eating all kind of uh, healthy food. Um, and you're being chased um, by a big glitch, at, um, which is a bunch of weird-looking numbers, and uh, letters and stuff, and that comes from the name of the game because the original Pac-Man only had 255 levels in it, which you know all you uh, computer nerds out there know that that means that it was eight bits of uh, memory to uh, right. to uh, you know to uh, cover all of the uh, levels. So once it got to 256, there was a big big error, and you couldn't actually play that level. Hence. Hence the name of the game. So you're basically trying to outrun this big glitch, um, and if you don't, you die. If you get hit by a ghost, you you die. Um, and there's more than like uh, Inky Pinky, uh, Blinky, uh, Clyde. I, I Clyde. Yeah. yeah. Um, they have kind of like different little AI patterns. Like there's ones that like move like really really fast. There's like ones that are asleep but like if you get really close to them they like chase you um there's all kind of cool stuff in this including my favorite thing that i've always wanted in a pac-man game power-ups so the first thing that you do is is you unlock a freaking laser (laughs) (laughs) you know so you can like so like if like you get caught in a space where there's like two like ghosts you can just laser the shit out of one um and I also recently unlocked a, a freeze ray, meaning that you can kind of freeze them in their tracks f- for like a short amount of a time. So um, it's really dope. Um, it's the standard kind of like freemium game where like if you want to unlock everything immediately, then like then like a, you can pay. But like you can also play and enjoy these games without paying anything. Awesome game. Highly advise anybody to at least try it out, especially if you're a fan of Crossy Road. Um, has it? Has anybody played it? It is so dope. I haven't played it. I didn't realize that it was available for free on the Android store, um, so I I haven't uh, played it yet, but I just downloaded it. Yeah, I started playing it yesterday, and it's it's really good. Like, even, even the beginning when it comes on, it has, like, a dope hip-hop version of the Pac-Man song, which is, which is really fun. I like that a lot. And I like the fact that you can get like ghosts that actually have glitches to it. Like they have some of them that like roll around the screen and they kind of like slide around with the glitches, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And, and there's no, like, it's like only like sort of classic looking Pac-Man. There's no like 
weird 3D Pac-Man with arms and legs and that stupid hat, which I have no idea what Wait a minute, that game was good. Pac-Man, Pac-Man Jr. with the beanie? The no, 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 no. I, I actually like Jr. I'm talking about like... Pac-Man 3D? From the cartoons and from oh, Smash Brothers. Oh. It looks like a fool. Um, you know, they just don't give him arms, arms and legs, just make him a floating cackle demon from Doom, except he's Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I always envisioned him. Uh, yeah, so um, I've been playing that. Um, also been playing uh, the Black Ops 3 multiplayer beta on PS4. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've always, you know, enjoyed the Call of Duty games for what they are. You know, like you go in, you blow up stuff and move super fast and, like, or whatever. This one, though, I felt was a little weird, especially considering that Advanced Warfare, I thought was actually a really good uh, multiplayer showing. This one was much faster than Advanced Warfare. It kind of felt like they were going for more of the Titanfall-ish thing in terms of speed because there's wall running and all kind of stuff. Um, but the one thing that really annoyed me was... So, like, obviously Call of Duty has, like, always had, like, you know, big things that come up on the screen if you get kill streaks or, like, or, like kind of whatever, and I thought that they had been kind of getting to this point where they were kind of understating those so that they don't distract you. I <laughs> I killed this, you know, I was like playing like the hard point mode, which is probably probably like my favorite mode, where it's, which is kind of like a rotating like domination mode where a different right. part of the um, field gets like highlighted and you have to control it. You know, I got blinded by someone's flashbang, and I killed them while I was blinded. And, like, five of these things appeared on my screen. And I was like, yo, this is so fucking distracting. And then I got shot in the head. became <laughs> blinded by your achievements. I was blinded by my greatness. Right. Oh, my God. You know? And, yeah, I, I just, I mean, I know it's something that, you know, they're probably just going to keep from a historical um, perspective since, like, since like Call of Duty is like, always had that, but I thought they had kind of solved this, um, because I thought both in um, Advanced Warfare um, and in the one that came before that, which I think was Black Ops 2, um, I wasn't as bothered by it, but man, in, in this beta, it really, really bothered me. Um, but aside from that, I mean, the guns are okay. It just seems okay. You know, like, it just doesn't really make me go, this is this is really, really dope, and I gotta get this. What I have learned from playing the the beta is one, I'm too old. Two, <laughs> my eye hand coordination is not what it used to be. Three, it is a it is the poor man's Titanfall, which is interesting because Titanfall, for all the shit that it got, did a lot of stuff really well. Right. And introduced a lot of mechanics that weren't in games before, and then other people tried to iterate on them and did it really badly. And I feel like Black Ops is doing that in some ways like the wall run doesn't feel as good as the titanfall wall run um this it looks stu it looks like it doesn't look like your camera is too close in some way like your field of vision is too close for it to look right your slide is really stupid it doesn't feel good in a lot of ways and it's also one of those things where like it like most modern warfare games not modern warfare most call of duty games it's gonna take me if i decide to actually play it it's going to take me like a month to get to get decent at it. And I just don't have that kind of time to do that when there are other better games coming out. Plus, 
the one thing that made me not want to play that game ever again is the fact that, and this is the beta, so <laughs> so this is telling, is there is a so each each uh, class has a basically a power up. You have two that you can pick from. Uh, you basically earn tokens to unlock them. One of them basically is you magically blink away. You disappear in the middle of a fight. So you you get this, this power and I'm shooting you and you hit both your trigger buttons and you disappear from in front of me to a place before that you were in the map. I saw this happen and I, I turned the game off. <laughs> <laughs> I turned it off. I said, this is not the game for me. When you can turn into motherfucking, you, you are blinky. In this game, basically, because <laughs> you turn, you magically disappear into nothing. And it was interesting because I started to watch some streams of it, too. And I saw somebody getting shot and he did it and was able to escape. I was like, I'm never playing this game. So again. you you can nightcrawler your way out of death. You can bamf out of out of a spot. You can BAMF out of a spot, <laughs> <laughs> Poof. which maybe not, which maybe not want to play it. So uh, I don't know. Reef, you have any other stuff that you've been running? Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, volume. Um, so uh, Mike Bitho, who's oh, yeah. been a guest on the show, friend of the show, and you know, and we talked about this game um, as well as his uh, previous game, Thomas was alone, which is uh, incredible. Um, so, uh, volume finally came out, you know, it's, it's a stealth game. Um, and I really, really enjoy it. I haven't gotten to get into it as much as I've wanted to, but I definitely wanted to comment on the overall sort of tone, the voice acting and the audio, which wasn't stuff that I expected to comment on really. Like, like when I first kind of booted it up, I expected to really be reviewing it based on like the puzzles and the stealth, which don't get me wrong, are very good, but because I'm so early in the game, I don't think I've gotten to the meat of those, but the presentation of this is really, really good. Um, and the color scheme that they chose um, really makes it kind of feel dystopian and futuristic, even though it doesn't have sort of like you know, like the tropes of like a Mad Max or like a Deus Ex kind of thing in in terms of how things look. I mean, it has a very, very unique look, even though it's like covering sort of, you know, a futuristic dystopian thing that a lot of people do. Now, it is in England, which I think is awesome. Right. Um, you know, and, you know, you know, when, like, when like I say it's a stealth game, I mean, there's there's vision cones and you're, you know, and you're going behind things um but yeah i i can't wait to get more into this game i think that it's like one of those games where you can kind of show it to somebody that maybe might not be into games and, and they'll be like that's awesome you know so yeah, I, when I, when i saw the color scheme and this may sound strange but um when i saw the color scheme it immediately made me think of 1960s london mm. it's very it's very um, fluorescent pastel go-go. Um, like, if you ever looked at a a British movie from the late 60s, early 70s, where they were projecting what the future would be like, it was those color. It was that color scheme. Interesting. If that, if that makes if that makes sense to anyone. Mike, Mike, I, you feel me? I thought you were going to not use a primary color when you were going to describe it. That was, uh, was going to make me excited. Oh, 
Well, I didn't use primary colors. I said you said fluorescent. That's not a primary. That's not a color. Right. I, I was saying that they were fluorescent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? Well, yo. Uh, any anyway, I just wanted to hear him say periwinkle. Oh, and neon. I just wanted to hear periwinkle right. on the show. It oh, wasn't okay. gonna come from me. No. So, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, Fonsworth Bentley play, over here. Get out of hush here. Your, hush your face. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did play a little bit of it. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Reef, where I haven't played enough of it to give a full kind of overview. The, but I do want to. I do want to echo what you said. And um, full disclosure, I did once shake Mike Mike Bickle's hand at E3. So now we're covered. So no one can say that there's no the collusion right. uh, because I'm going to say that that the game is dope so far and the voice acting is amazing. I'm yeah. really digging that. I, I, it was one of those things that I was kind of looking forward to because I've heard some of the early reviews and people were talking about it. And I remember, you know, when he was on the show, he was really talking about how excited he was to get the voice actor that he that he got and, and working with him for this amount of time um really kind of you can kind of already see it's coming through in the gameplay so um i, w- I want to kind of get livio in on this are you playing anything specifically are you are you running any games that you're playing are you making any games <laughs> that you want to talk about Aha! quite a few so uh this week i played two games that i'm always playing which is uh most recently i played Trackmania. Uh, yes. Have you heard of yes. that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. I, I love uh, available it so for much. Linux. <laughs> so I I was playing Trackmania 2 Canyon specifically. Uh, I love the huh. racing mechanic in there. Uh, it's like one of those games that like I go to relax uh, and also <laughs> like that was what I turned to like after a full day of of GamerGate tweets. Uh, <laughs> I felt pretty bad. Like I I found myself getting pretty cynical. I'm like, no, I'm going to race <laughs> um, and th- yeah Livio do do me a favor and, and explain what Trackmania is to to Bricago and to these guys because they're not cool <laughs> so so Trackmania is a, a racing game you uh, where the main game mode is to go online find a server and the server has it, it it gives you a track, a race track to race, and that race track is usually made by the community. Um, the game's very famous for its level editor and the crazy tracks that people build with it. Um, people set up these servers. Uh, they they pull a bunch of tracks that they think are good from the community, and sometimes servers specialize. Like this server has short tracks, or this one has uh, what they call full speed, which are like these absurdly ridiculous tracks that need a lot of skill and you kind of need to figure out where to go. And it's kind of like a puzzle, but right. And, you, and the, and the tracks are, uh, the roadways are in 360 degrees. Literally you can, you know, they can flip over, you can do all sorts of, yeah, the, the gravity, the physics work, but the gravity is, is just crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you, the track is, a, is on for you to play it on for like, I think like five minutes or six minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And you have six minutes to beat the track and to get your best time on it. Um, so you, if you crash, you restart. You, or, or if you finish, you restart again, try to get a better time. And you got six minutes to do that for that particular track. Um, for like the shorter tracks, it could take like maybe 20 seconds or 30 seconds to run through it. Some longer ones might be a little longer. Uh, but the it, it's, and while you're doing that, uh, you see other people racing the same track, and they're all ghosts. Like you can't collide with them. 
And so you can you you get to see like oh look at that one jump everyone's failing on it I'm gonna try to do better, um, <laughs> or look at that one pit like everybody's falling into it. <laughs> it's so good. And I uh, the the gameplay as you're driving it. Uh, so everybody's car is exactly the same. You you don't really get to choose anything about your car other than like the cosmetics. Um, you can download mods to make your cars look weird, <laughs> uh, and other players will see them. Uh, but the it's very simple controls is just accelerate and left right and brake um and that's it uh no weird drifting mechanics other than in uh canyon which which you just drift by uh by braking and you try to slide your car and like no button for that no boost it's just you and the track and you try to get your and there are some power ups in the track like boosters to increase your speed um, but that's pretty much all there is. Um, it's mm. it's precision driving though, like because it's just you in the track and because you're trying to get the best time, you're just always constantly trying to find ways to shave a millisecond off your time or to shave a second, uh, and to just give it the best run you can within six minutes. And it's it's you feel the race part of it because the whole time you see uh, the leaderboard on the right or depending on the server, wherever they put it. But the, you see, like, okay, my time, my, my last run was, like, third place. So I'm going to try to beat second place guy. And you, you just, it's, it's really competitive, and it, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I get in the zone all the time with that game. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's nice. awesome. What else you playing? Um, I've been playing Smash, Smash Bros. For the, Word. Uh, I own the 3DS one. Uh, I have friends who have the Wii U. Uh, we recently played, like, this crazy a player smash the other day uh <laughs> i i love that game to death uh we also played uh i've been playing this board game uh my friends are really into board games uh he, this friend of mine got a board game called fief uh the the interesting thing about that game is like it's it's got the steepest learning curve i've ever seen <laughs> it's like i'm i'm just playing the game and joking about how what there's another rule <laughs> we're like constantly referencing like this rule thing um but we we played this game like two or three times now i think i don't remember it felt like four times because it's also a very long game uh especially if you're trying to learn it the first time we played it it took us like seven hours uh, what? But we were like oh a bunch God. of people. We were, we had more people than the game was intended for. <laughs> the the last time we played it, I think it only took four hours. It only it only took four oh my hours. God. And and we didn't finish it. But we're, we're like we're like <laughs> oh, shit. I'm, I'm personally like sick of how how steep the learning curve was. And like like uh like I work on game projects and I'm really into sitting game design. I'm like this is like the game designers, uh refused to obey the law of simplicity like like ah we don't care about simplicity let's just keep throwing stuff in there <laughs> that's crazy but nice. we as every time we keep playing that game we're like maybe this time it'll be fun maybe once we get past that <laughs> uh, so you're so you're basically playing dark souls and bloodborne the, the board game right yeah and apparently that's apparently amazing. it's got a decent following apparently people uh. like it uh, we had some yeah. goofy stuff happening to us uh, when we played the last time. Uh, we had like like in that game you you collect armies and like you, everyone is like an army and 
you try to take over territories and like uh in the last game we had i had convinced uh two other armies to help me fight one army and we lost <laughs> it was absurd wow. we had the worst luck <laughs> either that or, or either that or by or like hour three you had all hallucinated because <laughs> you're all like i can't believe we're still playing <laughs> Is, is there anything else on your plate that you've been that you've been running um, a game with? I've been I've been working on a game. Uh, so, oh. uh, at the beginning of summer, uh, the IGDA they have a, a special interest group on game writing. Uh, a bunch of organizers from that group uh, started this competition on itch.io called mm-hmm. the Game Write Write a Game Challenge. Uh, it's basically make a story based game in a month. Uh, right. I have a friend who's uh, from school who uh, who wants to become a game writer, and I wanted to work on a game in Unity because I, I've been learning Unity ever since I went to GDC this year. Um, uh, I wanted a, an excuse to build stuff in Unity, and so I joined that that thing. We came up with a game idea. Uh, the idea was like actually it was it was my idea, uh, where we w- I wanted to make a a fighting game that had a story. But the story was told in the fights, like so. The idea was to play around some game mechanics and figure out: Can I come up with a mechanic, a, a set of mechanics that will let you have like that experience of like I'm fighting this guy and my character is going through an arc while I'm fighting that guy. Um, and I had to figure out how can I put dialogue in there and make it feel right. Like the first prototype was like Super Smash Bros. style, where you can run around, you can jump, you can punch, you can mm-hmm. kick. Yeah. But and then with dialogue like triggered by certain things, but that didn't work at all. Like where <laughs> where are we gonna put the dialogue? Like you're not gonna read it, you're gonna be too busy fighting. Um the the current prototype is uh you it's more like Pokemon. You select a move during specific intervals of the fight and then you select you you, you watch the move happen, uh and it's not like Pokemon in that it's just like fake. Like you don't really see the fighting happen. It's more it's more dynamic where you you see the characters in the, their relative positions on on the arena, and you you see the stuff happen. And that what that allows us to do is to force the player to stop and read dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I I mean it sounds like you know sort of like the active time battle Final Fantasy stuff um which also you know i think that sean alexander is also exploring in uh treachery of beatdown City yeah, as well. yeah yeah um, yeah oh i should look into that this game oh yeah yeah. So, yeah 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 and and yeah if if you want to i think the best way that i've seen dialogue in a fighting game was in street fighter 4 when you kind of d- do like that rival fight um, oh yeah. Right yeah. before you fight Seth, which still is the best boss name I've ever heard of. <laughs> um, you, you like have to fight your like character rival and they have like sort of, you know, character specific dialogue at the beginning, but also during the match they'll like have like remarks that are very character specific about their rivalry, which which I was like, yo, this is actually pretty dope. That's like the only time I've ever seen it really <laughs> done right as opposed to, you know, like at the end of a match, like go home and be a family man, or right. you, know, <laughs> you know, or like you must, <laughs> teach, 
Or like you must defeat Shang Long to stand a chance or all that stuff. Yeah, it's right. it that sounds like fun. there's like this magical moment of like they weave it in just right and it if it, it works so well that you're just amazed. Um, yeah, right. And another yeah, see, another core part of our idea was uh, having moves tailored to like whatever the story moment was. So like I don't know if you like watch a lot of anime. Like there's this trope in a lot of action anime where like the character's fighting, then they have like this emotional moment and they get stronger. <laughs> like right, they right, power up right. or something. Right. Uh, like that, that was something that we were uh, planning to like do. Like basically change the moves that you have access to, depending on where your character is in their arc. <laughs> I want to. I want to see. I want to see you use your your magical powers of game making, alliteration, and writing to make. <laughs> Deaf poetry jam fight for New York. <laughs> Deaf poetry. Deaf po- I had I had this hilarious idea of a few months ago about like uh when I went to GDC, uh so like I, I flew to Ari- like I, I so I flew to Arizona and then I carpooled with a bunch of my friends to do a road trip to GDC from there. And during that road trip we we played a lot of Mad Libs and I remember having this hilarious idea for like a Mad Libs game uh, but I don't remember too many of its details. But I'm like, Mad Libs was like the core mechanic, and it was going to be like part of some song or something. I don't remember too much about it. But I remember at the time, I was like, <laughs> I thought it was the best idea ever, and then I forgot all about it. <laughs> That's usually what happens to the best ideas. You got to write that stuff down, man. You got to write that stuff down. I probably um, lost so hope in it. Oh, like, I, 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 like, once the magic of the new idea uh, goes away, you start to be more critical of it and like, ah, it'll never work. We did, we, I thought that was the way our show came to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I know, see, I see you play, you played some Madden, Madden on EA Access, right? Yeah, yeah, actually, um, yeah, I played, I played some Madden on EA Access. Uh, it was just released uh, of this recording, as of this recording today. Uh, so I streamed a little bit and uh, I played a little bit. the The opening cutscene is is epic. <laughs> I mean, there's I mean, there's really nothing else this, to be said about oh it. Uh, there's there's lots of talking back and forth. It, I mean, it really plays out like a like a, like a Hollywood movie. Um, yeah, there's trash talking. It's uh, it's Super Bowl Fifty with the Steelers and and the Cardinals. And Antonio Brown is up against Patrick Peterson and they're talking about how they're going to de- you know, how the game is going to go. And then there's things that happen during the game and, and interspersed between this uh, it's probably like a 10 or 12 minute cutscene. Um, interspersed between that are opportunities for you to actually play out scenarios as the Steelers to help them win the Super Bowl. Um, which was which was really really interesting um, just to kind of see that happen. Um, so I, what would be interesting is to see how they can turn that type of thing into a my player type scenario because I mean it was really good the scripted events that they had in it were really really cool. Um, but you know, alas, that's not what it is. I played one or most of one full game and I played a couple of. Uh, couple of drills um the game for the most part looks slightly better than last year's version um they definitely did up the details if you look at someone's helmet at the end of the game you'll see um paint chip chip paint from the opposing team's helmets 
uh, on the on on certain helmets. Uh, that's definitely realistic. Uh, they've they've added some presentation touches, but uh, for the you know the dialogue is f- uh, for the most part the same. The presentation for the most part is the same. Um, but you know again, I've only I've only played maybe ninety minutes. So I, you know, I really haven't sunk my teeth into it, but I, but I have played it. It is, uh, it's, I'm, I'm happy that I have it. Let's, let's put it that way. That's, uh, you know, so we'll, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens later, later on in the year. Um, I also want to say that, uh, I've been playing a little bit of, uh, Fallout Shelter. Uh, it's available on Android now. Um, if you've had an iOS, you know what it is. If you don't have an iOS, uh, you have an Android device, go ahead and download it. Um, it you know, it's Fallout Shelter, a.k.a. Baby Maker Simulator. Um, <laughs> so uh, go out there and make you some babies uh, and repopulate the earth. Um, the other thing that I will say really quickly is hashtag stubnostications. You won't be getting Rainbow Six Siege in October. Like you heard, like you heard here first. Yeah, you, you know you, you can say you can sign up for betas. You know you'll get your beta, enjoy your beta, but you won't be enjoying <laughs> the game in October, <laughs> like I told you before. Oh you know, my God. you know if when 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 hashtag stubnostications come down, you know to listen. I'm like EF Hutton out this bitch. You know, there's only like two. I'm people CF Hutton. Hutton is. You know, there's like two people who know who CF Hutton is. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh god. Well, you have you have another eight hours. You have another what? Eight hours almost of Madden you can play. Like, yeah, ten hours. Ten hours, hours on the preview, which is, which is kind of access, awesome. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. The EA yeah. Access is kind of staking their claim of why you should be using it. So that's pretty right. cool. Yeah. No restrictions. No restrictions. The only restriction is time. Um, and that's, you know, that's the wonderful thing about EA access and they've really migrated the, I mean, the, the, they've evolved and matured from a year ago. Cause it, I mean, it was exactly a year ago when EA access, uh, debuted for Madden for Madden 16 and it was, you got six hours to preview the game and now you have 10 and, uh, you know, I mean, that's six hours was a little too short, um, for, for certain games, but 10 hours really gives you a chance to kind of sink your teeth into the game and let you know what it is. And that's pretty much standard for all of the EA games that uh, are released. So if you have an Xbox one, if you like sports games specifically, um, then, you know, go ahead and get EA access. If you don't like sports games, but you like a few EA games, still get EA access. Um, again, Battlefield, uh, not Battlefield, shit. Star Wars Battlefront, um, first place you'll be able to play it is on the Xbox One via EA Access. So check that out. 30 bucks a year or $5 a month. Jealous. Word. I want to play some Battlefront. Yeah, well then get yourself get yourself one of those Xbox One bundles. They, I mean, they're damn near giving them away. Absolutely. Um, got, this is the part of the show. One. This is the part of the show where I ask all of the other guests and hosts on the show to leave, because this is where I sit. On, this is where I jump on my soapbox and talk about how the internet did the order eighteen eighty six wrong, and how I am upset with the internet and I'm mad at the internet. So I, I finally got it. I finally chunked down my money it was at a reasonable price i was like it hit my, my price point where i was like i'm gonna go buy the game bought it copped it 
threw it in and started the, started the game. And I remember seeing uh, a gentleman on this show named Sharif Jackson play this game and hearing the internet say how terrible it was and having Reef do the most, almost like the best rage quit I've seen of a game on Twitch in a long time. And and I played it, so I was like, all right, I'm going to go into this experience because I feel like I should go into it and find out if it's good or not and play it for myself. And I absolutely loved my experience with The Order. I am so happy I got to play that game. And I think it got so so shortchanged by the 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 kind of zeitgeist of there's this good zeitgeist and this bad zeitgeist is like the the version of uh people talking uh, talking shit about something and no one really having the time to kind of absorb it and have the chance to kind of like sit themselves down with it and not go into it with expectations kind of run off by other people it really was a dope dope experience it was gorgeous i think i spent almost as much time playing the game as i did in photo mode and I've like po- have like all these dope photos that I have now that are like the backgrounds to my PS4 and stuff. It's kind of dope. And the thing that they never talked about, which was something that I think a lot of people missed because either they didn't finish the game or they just didn't think it was important. They had one of the dopest w- people of color, women of color characters that I've seen in a game in a long mm. time. Wow! They had it. They had an Indian woman protagonist who was. Part of part of the other faction, if you haven't spoilers, if you haven't played the game yet, you should have. Uh, who's a part of the the rebel faction that was going against the the government and quote unquote the order? She was like she and her daughter were both running this faction and had some of the dopest parts in the game and was like some of the dopest people in the game. I was like, how did no one know this? And I wouldn't have known it if I hadn't played it. So I think people should go back if you have thirty bucks put down your 30 bucks there is some chunkiness to the controls there is some chunkiness to the way that it kind of moves yes there are some long ass cutscenes, and yes there are some times where it's mostly qtes but i think for the most part if you if you can think about this game as an art piece and work your way through it that way it's totally worth your time and worth your money i had an amazing amount of time i was blowing people's legs off with lightning it was dope that game you is know how many dope. times I did that in real life last week? You don't, you don't do here. nothing. You don't do Get nothing but here. talk. Power. Yeah, basically. So, I, <laughs> so I, on, on the last part, because we're running super long, I think yeah. you should play The Order. It's worth your time. I think it's worth. I think Ready at Dawn and Sony Santa Monica should be applauded for doing a dope game. I think the internet fucked that up. And I would love to have um, the creative director on the show to talk about uh, the game in, in a real way because I think they did a I think they did a phenomenal job and it sucks that they will not get another chance to make a second game. In is that official? That. I doubt it. I mean, I don't think it did enough sales to do it like Assassin's Creed did. Right. I hope it, so. It, I hope I hope it gets the same kind of treatment that the first Assassin's Creed. It was Creed pre-ordered did. 1886. Ridiculous. Get off my show. <laughs> I, I, ho- I hope that they I hope they have the ability to 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 come back and and make a second game and and garner some of that goodwill. Uh, because like AC, like uh, Assassin's Creed One, did where that game wasn't that good, but got a lot of burn. I think this game should get another a second chance at it. So, Kyle, um, I have one one super quick question, one word uh, answer from me from you. Yo, if the game was sixty bucks, would you still like it? Yes. Wow. 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 Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I, I I I wrote I tweeted out that I was sad that I didn't buy it when it first came out. Wow. Yeah. I I think it was very very good. I think it was very well done. 
Um, so another thing that's very well done is this show of <laughs> of the Spawn of Me podcast. Uh, that was episode, nice. <laughs> this is episode 75 of our show. Um, I want to first thank Livio. Thank you so much again for being on the show with us. You are a dope cat, man. I'm really happy that we got a chance to speak to you um, and, and, and have a chance for you to kind of share your your version of what happened uh, with, with, with your story and with the, the Gamergate stuff that's been going on. So thank you so much again for being on with us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I hope you had fun, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, it was lots of fun. Word, word, word. Uh, C, can yes. you share the social media business, please? Uh, first and foremost, uh, thanks again, Livio. If uh, people want to follow you on the social medias, uh, do you have a place where people can follow you? Uh, my Twitter handle is Livio De La Cruz. So my full oh, name. Okay. Ah, branding, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so make sure uh, you, if you like what you heard from Livio, that you can go ahead and follow him on Twitter at Livio De, De La Cruz. Uh, you can follow our minister of no finance on all social media platforms on, at uh, Sharif Jackson. Uh, make sure you go to gaminglooksgood.com to find all of his great gaming looks good videos and science looks good.com uh, to find all of the other wonderful things that he is doing to promote STEM and diversity uh, for the world, for the youths. Um, and uh, also, when you're downloading the show on Tuesday, make sure you download his show, uh, Operation Cubicle, his, the show that he co-hosts with J.P. Fairfield, talking about uh, one topic a week from the geeky side and the corporate side featuring dope hip hop. Uh, and, you know, check that check that great stuff out. Uh, you can find. Uh, Sharif and I, Sharif, Khalif and I. Um, Damn, just cut yeah, me out the show. Yeah, hey, you know, listen, you know, my dreams haven't come true yet. <laughs> I got promoted live on the yeah, show. Right? Wow. Can someone bamf Cicero out of this? Right, right. You're pushing the triggers right now. Um, you can you can find us on the Twitters at uh, Kajakins and at Stubby Stan, respectively. You can find our show at Spawn on Me on all social media networks. Um, make sure you check out our uh, latest version of the show on esn.fm slash Spawn on Me, or you can contact us or check out the show and other information about us at the, our home site, which is spawnon.me. And uh, remember, our show is available on iTunes and Stitcher and, you know, all the great places where you can find great shows like ours. And uh, be sure to like and subscribe and rate and review. That's very, very important. Uh, please do so. Buy our merch at Redbubble uh, slash one on me. And uh, if you like what we're doing and you want to help us do more and better, uh, please promote our and, and support our Patreon at patreon.com slash spawn on me. Word. So we're going to, uh, speaking of Patreon, a uh, quick note, uh, we're going to try to have the Hall of Fame <clears throat> page up uh, by the end of the month because I'm trying to make it kind of better than I thought it was going to start off with. I wanted to be really dope. Um, and hopefully we will get there by the end of the month. Uh, folks who are getting their prize packages uh, from us, the, that stuff is in the mail to us. So we'll be sending that out to you as soon as we get it. 
Um, shout out to Sanebox uh, for sponsoring the show. So yes. check out sanebox.com slash ESNs where you can go find um, uh, a discount for uh, their their products and their mail management system uh, with a $25 discount, which is freaking awesome. So yes. do that as well. And I think that is everything for this show. I want to uh, really quickly shout you out, Reef and Tanya to pass for doing your thing at Alta at Conf. AltaConf. Word. Uh, yes. I heard, I heard it was very, very successful. So thank you for doing that. Uh, hopefully the video of those things will be up soon. I have slides available. Yeah. I posted the slides and tweeted them out there on slide share. Dope, dope. Um, and as when, when this is released, I'll also be have a, Panama at Wizard World uh, this weekend, which word? Damn, it's all reef all the time. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pimp you out somehow. We got to figure it out. I'll 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 be on a panel with Tanya called uh, the most racist panel ever. So that should be fun. Oh my god, <laughs> is that gonna it. be? Oh, I hope that's televised. I hope that's like taped somewhere because we will right. definitely play snippets of it in the next show. Anyway. Thank you all for listening to the show. Thank you so much for, for being a part of our community. Uh, and thank you for being dope. We will see you all next week. This is a Spawn of Me episode 75. We will say what? Peace.